He's back. He's back and better than ever. Hey, I get to hear the open finally. Yeah, what do you what do you think of the open? Oh, it's it's fantastic. You're, I love that song. That's a great choice. You're just saying that to be nice. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Like actually, like I have probably filed away in the back of my head four or five songs that like just make a ton of sense to open a radio show with, and this is on the show. Good, list. okay. So I'm glad you, you, I, and, you and I were on the same wavelength. Good, all right. That. I'm glad to hear that. Good start. Um, Parker was out Monday and Tuesday. He was in San Antonio last weekend for the All American Bowl, and uh, oh, buddy, we we've got a lot of things to talk about. Where where were you? First oh, do off? we? Yeah, so All-American Bowl and then the AFCA Coaches Convention the last couple days. Interesting. Anything yeah. uh, notable come out of uh, that thing? Other than the, the guy on Twitter, I, I saw that he was there. Uh, what, what, what's his name that always does the film room videos of everyone? Like he oh, goes uh, back. Yeah, he acts like the coach and the player in the, in the team meeting. I love that guy. Oh, gosh, He's awesome. I, I, I can't remember offhand, but yeah, it, it was crazy, man. Like I didn't realize how massive the – attendance list at the AFCA coaches convention is but I mean literally coaches from all over the country at every single level where they I mean high school coaches left and right sure but you got FBS coaches you got FCS coaches you got guys from D2 and D3 and NAIA programs showing up as well so it was just a crush of people for those well, couple days. Well, but. you you missed the national championship game um you missed some other things the past two days but hey most notably, what you missed of what you missed is the uh, wild, way too early projections that we spent oh most goodness. of the uh, day yesterday talking about. And hey, I'm not saying that we have to revisit those today, but if everyone else can make a way too early poll, way too early predictions for next year, why can't we do the same but actually keep OU on it? So let's do that here. And here's the $64,000 question Who takes the first snap? At Oklahoma next season. My money is on Dylan Gabriel. What say you? <laughs> oh, Not man. Not the last okay. snap of the season. The yeah, first yeah, yeah, snap yeah. of the season. I mean, shoot. Yeah, that's a very good distinction you make because last year I was like, well, Spencer Rattler takes the first snap. I think Caleb Williams takes the last snap. So, um, as far as first snap in 2022, I, I say Gabriel. I think that's the easy answer, but I think it's the right answer. Easy answer. But as I, I, I do, th- I, I'll say this: I do think Dylan Gabriel takes both the first and last snap. I think he's your starter all year. I don't think there's a whole lot of controversy to be had there. The one thing, and I touched on it with Steely last hour, the one thing that could kind of throw a wrench in all of that is if Lane Kiffin goes to the NFL, Tyler. Yeah, because if Lane Kiffin totally. goes to the NFL. Ole Miss is going to throw some money at Jeff Levy, and if Jeff Levy heads back to Oxford to take that head coaching job, you have to figure Dylan Gabriel's going with him. Yeah, and I heard you talking about that earlier. I was like, who is courting Lane Kiffin to be their next NFL head coach? Minnesota Vikings um, reportedly are. I didn't realize that he went to high school in Minnesota and actually has some sort of a – you know, he, he was there with the team during his high school years because his dad, Monty, was there. I didn't realize that. I contend that I think it would be a terrible hire if the Minnesota Vikings hired Lane Kiffin, but still, he's he's rumored to be in that conversation. And yes, I, I think because it sounds like Ole Miss's AD knows who is really doing all the work here recently. I, I think you're right. I think Jeff Levy would be the first call if, if Lane were to bolt. Man, whoever is promoting and or selling Lane Kiffin – as a coaching guru, is 
a marketing and PR superstar. Because that dude's resume is not worthy of an NFL coaching job. No. It's not. And his resume at the FBS level, like, I know he's going to want the Alabama job one day or the Florida job one day. I know those are the kind those are the kind of jobs Lane Kiffin is going to be angling for in the end game. But <laughs> is he qualified at this point? Uh, I, I know he's been a head coach for like 15 years at this point, but let's think about it. His tenure with the Raiders was a debacle. Yep. His tenure at USC was a debacle. He did a decent job at Florida Atlantic. And he's had pretty, he's had a re- relatively high degree of success at Ole Miss. And most people would tell you that that's because of Jeff Lebby, exactly. Though, not not Lane Giffen. So yeah, I, I I don't I don't see it. And I don't buy it either. So you and I on the same page. Odds to take the first snap, Dylan Gabriel. Which by the way, text line chime in on this one six five one thirty four thirty nine on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Okay, we're good there. How about leading tackler? for next season. Now, Brian Osamoa was the leading tackler last year. He's gone. Deshaun White was actually number three in tackles with 66. I would not have guessed that. So, much like Dylan Gabriel taking the first snap, Deshaun White might be the easy answer here, but you could really throw everyone for a loop if you just go ahead and say that Drew Sanders is going to be OU's leading tackler next season. Come on, I know you want to do it. I know you want to. Uh, no, I... Well, no, I don't really – and, like, the the big question right now is whether Drew Sanders is going to be a Sooner. And I don't want to say one way or another. I will say I think Oklahoma has a a lot more than a fighting chance to reel in Drew Sanders when it's all said and done because dude was committed to Oklahoma for a lot more than a minute back in the day. And so does he end up a Sooner? Maybe. But even if he is, shoot, I think your leading tackler next year is Danny Stutzman. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got to be he's got to be on the list. He, he was that dude motors like yeah. he might have been Oklahoma's leading tackler this season if he hadn't gotten hurt. By the way, on Drew Sanders, I, I was looking on twenty four seven Sports earlier, and there is a crystal ball prediction in on him that came in around noon today, For and Texas? It's, it's to Texas, yeah, yeah, by one of your national guys over there. So I, I don't you you know more about that situation than I do, but I, I saw that today. It was like, ooh, Texas. Okay, yeah, from I'll I'll say this from the get go. That's been shaping up as an OU Texas battle. So again, I'm not going to sit here and say one way or another that Drew Sanders is going to be a Sooner. Oklahoma has a very legitimate shot at Drew Sanders, but Texas is very much in that race as well. So we'll see what becomes of it. Here's the most difficult one. How about first carry on the season? Eric Gray's in the mix. Marcus Majors in the mix. Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk is in the mix. You could go with maybe any of those four guys, and it, it would be a pretty good pick. Now, this is the one right here where whoever gets the first carry of the season, I odds probably the best that they're not going to be your leading rusher at the end of the season. Um, I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset if you can call it that. I know Eric Gray is the most quote-unquote experienced guy you have bringing back. I'm going to say Marcus Major gets your first carry of the season in 2022. I'm going to roll with Gray. I just think he's your de facto starter with Kennedy Brooks out the door. And if we're talking about first carry, like, I I don't know if Eric Gray gets the most carries next year, but I do think he gets the first one because you're going to trot your starting 11 out there for the very first snap of the season, and I would get the sense that, I can't believe I'm speculating on what play they're going to run 
out of the very no, first time of the let's year. Let's do but, that. That's what everybody wants to hear in like, January. Uh, I would expect that they'll run the ball on their first play and that <laughs> it'll just be a simple handoff to Eric Gray, and that's how the Brent Venables era will commence. Uh, last one I had here. Well, I had, like, total wins. We can do that if you like. Uh, leading wide receiver next year, Marvin, Mar- Mims. Marvin Mims is really easy here. I will say, though, we had uh, Robert Anthony Stoops on the show yesterday. Most people call him Bob. And I asked him a question about Jalil Farouk, and he was like, yeah. I was like, dang, where's, who's this kid? Where did he come from? So if you wanted to get, you know, really gutsy here, uh, Jalil Farouk would be the dark horse option in this uh, in this category. But Marvin Mims, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I just, I just think at this point, like, there is, there is simply no receiver in that room as talented as Marvin Mims. And with the frustrating usage or lack thereof that he experienced this past year in the 2021 season, there will be a significant emphasis on forcing the ball to Marvin Mims in 2022. They will be throwing his way a lot, I believe. And so, yeah, I I would take him by a long shot over anybody else to lead uh, in terms of receiving production. Wins in 2022? What's the over-under here? Uh, Ten and a half. Over. You going 11 and one? I was going to go 11 and 1. I'm going to say for final record. And before any of you say, "Oh god, it's it's just a homer hour over here." The schedule's crap, okay? And I know the schedule was crap last year and they went 10 and 2, but my god, the head coach had a foot out the door the entire season. All right? I don't think it's a super duper hot take to say they go 11 and 1 next season. I'll say they win the Big 12 championship at 11 and 2. That's my prediction. Two regular season losses, then. Two okay. regular season losses. Mm. Yeah. All right. I, I was and just I, counting regular season, but that's that's fine. That's a that's a fair. That's a okay. Fine so prediction. T- so ten and two for the regular yeah. season. So I guess if you're talking regular season wins, I would take the under. But cumulatively, I think they finish all told at twelve and two with a bull win. There you go. There's your way too early look at OU in 2022. A new leading tackler, a new quarterback. A, a new running back getting the first carry of the season, and an even better record than what they had last season coming into the year is like, what, the number two team in the country. So, see? Everything's just fine. Everything's okay. It doesn't matter what ESPN or Stuart Mandel try to tell you. Uh, me and Parker are still telling you that they're going to win the Big 12 next season. It's all good. It's going to be an I think you would, year. I think you would find a lot of people that would agree with that assessment, too. And that's no knock on Baylor, because they're going to be really good. That's no knock on Oklahoma State because they're going to lose some pieces, but they're going to be really good as well. I just think if I'm putting money down at this point, I'm betting on Brent Venables because that dude doesn't have it in him to fail as a coach. He's never done it. Is the uh, text line giving out some crazy predictions? Are they saying Drew Sanders is leading tackler, or they stay in Jackson Dart as starting quarterback game one next season? Uh, no, one of our list. I, I actually really like this from one of our listeners. Dark horse to lead the Sooners in tackles, Jaron Kinnett. Woo! Let's go! Yeah! <laughs> now, I, that's not that far-fetched. That's the thing. I could very legitimately see that happening. God, how, how excited would everyone be if a true freshman comes in and leads the team in tackles next season? Well, I mean, like with, with, with a defense that ends up being pretty good, that, that, that'd be awesome. Well, like I said a couple minutes ago, right? I think there's a good chance Danny Stutzman could have led Oklahoma in tackles this season if he hadn't gotten injured with that dislocated elbow and it cost him three games. Jaron Kanak is better than Danny Stutzman. Really? How so? I. <laughs> And I love Danny Stutzman. Like, athletically, the dude's a monster. He headhunts. Danny Stutzman will be an NFL linebacker one day. He is a stud. 
Jaron Kanak just has a combination of skills that you do not get. You do not see that. You do not see a guy his size run a 10.37 in the 100-meter dash. So I'm going to revise some of my answers here. Uh, Jaron Kanak is actually going to get the first carry on the season next year. Oh, boy. They're just going to snap it to him, and UTEP won't be able to tackle him like that uh, Kansas uh, high school playoff uh, clip that you tweeted out a few weeks ago. Is he going to be OU's answer to Joel Lanning? Yes. Yes, pretty much. Anything else on the The text line? The Tim Tebow treatment? Uh, Let's see what we got. Oh, don't let Teddy hear that. You know how he feels about freshmen. Yeah, he's he's not a big proponent on true freshmen coming in and, and playing a lot of minutes. But uh, I got a feeling that there's going to be a lot of newcomers, be it transfer portal, be it true freshmen, whatever, that are uh, they're going to get some opportunities this offseason. If Levy does go to Ole Miss, asks one listener, who do you see OU going after? Elevate someone on staff or outside? And his answer is actually my answer, Graham Harrell and bring in Dart with him. I have no idea where they would go if uh, Lebby were to go tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know if Britt Vittables know where he would go if, if that wouldn't happen. Can we all just come to an agreement, though, on the off chance that Jeff Lebby does end up taking the Ole Miss job? And I don't think that that is, like, you know, super pressing or anything. I, can we stop? Can we not do the Joe Brady talk this time around? Please, guys, that's all I ask. I don't ask a lot. Can we not do the Joe Brady circus this time around? I'm not about bringing in Joe Brady as the next OC. I've made that point clear several times. I just don't want to have to rehash that one again, okay? Wow, strong feelings about Joe Brady. I have very strong feelings on bringing in Joe Brady as the OC, yes. And I know that he has a great relationship with Caleb Williams and all that, but the guy got fired during the middle of the season with the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule basically told you, yeah, I don't think that this guy's very good. I don't want to take the Carolina Panthers' sloppy seconds as a play caller. Yeah, by the way, just let the ship sail on Caleb Williams. He's not coming back. Oh, I, I've He's let not it. coming back. It's, it's been sailing for two weeks for, for me. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just want to get it out there, people. Like At this point, be prepared for OU to move on and play football in 2022 without Caleb Williams because I, I don't know where he lands. All the signs right now point to USC, so that's the easy answer, but – He's not going to be back in an OU uniform. Uh, yeah, no, 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 not at all. Air Cover Solutions text line, we'll get to that and more coming up next, 651-3439. It's portal watch season, 227 days until college football. What are we supposed to do with ourselves? I, I guess watch the portal for OU and, and see who's coming in, see who's going out. This is portal season in the sport. We'll run down a list of names to to, to look at, kind of what their status is. Uh, text on if you got a name that you want to know about in the portal right now, hit us up. We'll get to that on the other side. More to come next. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Portal watch season. That's what we're monitoring right now. Parker, there's a lot of names that we got to monitor. Probably going to always be the case if you just got a new uh, coaching staff. But I, I guess let's actually start with the guy that is in the portal that played at OU last year. Mario Williams, did he really visit Texas yesterday? He really visited Texas. Wow. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fans hit me up about that one saying, man, that's the ultimate betrayal. You're not a Sooner if you're visiting Texas. And I don't think he ends up at Texas. But the very fact that he visited rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, especially when it really felt like it was inevitable this week um, that he and Caleb Williams are just going to end up at USC together. I mean, you, you've been saying – kind of throughout the whole process, is they, they really seem like a package deal. And the fact that Mario took a visit to Texas, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't feel like Caleb Williams has any plans set to take a visit to Texas. Do you? Doesn't feel like that to me. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't believe that is the case at all. So if they're a package deal, it, it feels weird that Mario just kind of went to Austin by himself. And maybe he has nothing else better to do, and maybe he just wanted to go to Austin for a couple days and check it out. I don't know, but I've been operating under the assumption that he and uh, Caleb will be at SC next season. So that's that's a weird Look, deal. Can we just get this over with? That's what I'm saying. It's, uh, they're going to USC. I, I, I shouldn't pause it. Again, this is me stating my opinion. This is not me giving any inside knowledge about the whole ordeal. But let, let, let's not kid ourselves. All of the signs point toward USC right now. Yeah. They were both in L.A. over the weekend on a visit. They've already said, or at least Mario Williams has said, he wants to play with Caleb Williams. The very fact that they took the USC visit would suggest to you that Caleb Williams' relationship with Lincoln Riley wasn't as fractured as was initially suggested. If he doesn't go to USC at this point, where does he go? Well, and then the the fact that Jackson Darts is in the portal right now kind of tells us everything. Exactly. That, that, was, that was the moment where it's like, all right, yeah, you just connect the dots here. Caleb's ending up at, at USC. That's that's what's that's what's happening. Or may or hey, maybe that's just Jackson Dart's way of saying, you know what? If you're gonna go court Caleb, I'm out because you don't believe in me and you don't want me. You you said uh, maybe this means that the relationship wasn't as fractured as maybe we thought it was between Caleb and Muleshoe. Well, uh, Teddy on Monday he came on and was like, I don't know if this is true. He's like, but I was told that. Lincoln did not ride home with the team after the Bedlam game. And, in fact, Caleb Williams rode home with uh, Muleshoe from Stillwater, which I, I thought, that's odd. I had not heard the second half of that. I had heard from several people that Muleshoe drove separate from the team. I, I, had no, I had no one tell me that Caleb Williams was in that car as well. So <laughs> so I, I, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I had never heard that before. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we're talking about Jackson Dart. He is in the portal right now. Uh, sounds like OU and Ole Miss are, are the two here. And much like Mario and Caleb Williams could be a package deal, is he a package deal with this former four-star tight end, uh, Michael Trigg, coming out of USC? Uh, he literally tweeted the package emoji in quote tweeting Michael Trigg the other day. So, again... You take that with a grain of salt, and things can change and pivot so quickly with these types of things, but it really seems like they're angling to end up at the same place. And it looks for all the world at this point like that's going to be Ole Miss or it's going to be Oklahoma. It'll be one or the other. 
what's um, he, he's going to have the opportunity to start right away, I would guess, at Ole Miss. And I, I, I don't know the insides of, of this situation, but I, I, I'm going to guess at Ole Miss, they're kind of telling him that he's going to be the guy next season. I doubt that he's getting that same confirmation at OU. I, I don't like like I obviously he's going to be given a chance to win the starting job, no doubt. But there's some guarantees I feel like Ole Miss can make in this that Oklahoma is just not willing to to make at this point, and that might end up being the deciding factor. That's just the harsh reality of it because Jeff Levy doesn't bring in Dylan Gabriel if he's not planning on Dylan Gabriel being his guy. Totally. So I'm not saying. Jackson Dart doesn't end up at Oklahoma, but what I am saying is I think it's a pretty safe bet that Dylan Gabriel's your starting quarterback in 2022. Um, the interesting thing to me then, if Jackson Dart does end up at Ole Miss, is where does that leave Luke Altmyer, who is a quarterback that I loved coming out of high school. I mean, kid's got arm talent, he's got intangibles, he's got mobility. That's a guy that will be a successful Power 5 quarterback somewhere. What happens to him if Ole Miss brings in Jackson Dart, now he's probably hitting the portal, you would have to imagine, since he and Dart are in the same class. Yeah. He takes that as a vote of no confidence from the Ole Miss staff, and now he's headed to a new destination. <laughs> Just one domino after the other. With this He came talent. into the Sugar Bowl, right? That's after right. Matt Corral got hurt, That's and right. they, they had a tough time moving the ball. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be a great quarterback in the future, but... Yeah, he, he got his chance against Baylor and uh, didn't necessarily light up the stat sheet that night in New Orleans. Makai Wingo is out there. Uh, there was a report that he's actually going to be visiting OU January 14th through the 15th. Well, he was an all-SEC uh, first team, uh, all-freshman team this past year as a defensive lineman. Uh, I would like Makai Wingo, but I heard you earlier with Steely saying that you were uh, – you haven't necessarily been hearing OU. He made OU made the Final Four yesterday, but you haven't necessarily been hearing like, oh, he's close to picking OU. Yeah, look, and if he does pick OU, based on the things that I've heard, that is the Todd Bates effect to the nth degree. Like that is all Todd Bates if OU ends up with him, because I was told from the get go, yeah, Makai Wingo is in all likelihood not ending up at Oklahoma. It'll be somewhere in the SEC or it'll be USC, which explains the other three schools in his final four, USC, Arkansas, LSU. So I would say don't expect Makai Wingo to be a Sooner. And if he is, that is a pleasant surprise all the way around because you'll take all the defensive linemen you can get. Sure. I mean, he is taking a visit, so you never know what can happen on an official recruiting visit. You know, that's that's big that they're getting him in Exactly. Here. Another guy that will be on campus uh, this weekend as well, C.J. Colden, defensive back from Wyoming, whom I believe we talked about last week as a potential target in the portal for Oklahoma. But uh, that's a guy that will have one year of eligibility left, so he's a super senior. Ten pass breakups and 48 tackles at Wyoming. Dart and Trigg are, are going to Ole Miss to visit. Are they, are they coming to OU as well this weekend? That is the word. Okay, that is the word. And then you have Jackson Player out there, the defensive lineman transfer from Tulsa. Uh, kind of thought OU and Baylor are, are the main two there. Where's, where's OU at with, with Jackson Player? Well, I can tell you where Jackson Player's at. Today he's visiting Baylor. So uh, that kind of gives you a sense of, yeah, it's, it's going to be an OU-Baylor battle, you would imagine. And that's kind of the vibes that I've gotten all throughout the process. Uh, I I don't know 100% if he plans to visit OU or when he plans to visit OU at this point. But, again, you're getting close to enrollment day, and he's at Baylor today. So temper the expectations a little bit on Jackson Player 
But I am by no means saying OU's out of that race because they're not. OU is going heavy after D. Lyman in the portal, man. Which I, it's not surprising to anyone, right? With with as many defensive linemen as you know, they're losing this year. They, they've definitely got to restock in the middle, outside at D. N. and all that. If I were to give you like one name, and it's the names that we just talked about, you can only pick one to be at OU next year. Who do you think the staff would pick? Would they pick Makai Wingo? Would they pick Jackson Dart? Would they pick Michael Trigg? Would they pick Jackson Player? Or would they pick a guy like Drew Sanders who is in the portal from Alabama? I think they would pick Jackson Dart. And I know that's probably a super easy answer, but the type of quarterback that Jackson Dart can be, the type of guy that he's capable of being at the quarterback position, he's not a guy that you're going to replace easily. And so if he is on the market and you can get him, you make a play for him and you do everything you can to get him in your uniform. Because like I said, the expectation is that Dylan Gabriel is going to be the starter in 2022. But beyond, I mean, there's no guarantee that Dylan Gabriel's back in 2023. I'll say that much. Sure. Because if he has a productive year, he might be gone to the NFL. And at that point, you're looking at presumably Jackson Dart and Nick Evers, who would be a redshirt freshman at that point. And I love Nick Evers too. But... Jackson Dart, I tell you this much, Tyler, and I tweeted as much back in like August of 2020. Jackson Dart was my second favorite quarterback prospect in the class of 2021 behind one Caleb Williams. So that's how high on him I am. I think if you can get Jackson Dart, you go get him. You drop everything and you go get him because that is a guy that is capable of being a national championship caliber quarterback for a national championship caliber team. Hey, didn't didn't play well. I mean, he played a decent amount at USC last year, but some of the some of the moments that he had there, you were really looking at it and saying, "Dang, this this kid's got a chance." Well, I mean, how about this? He was so good last year at times that Keaton Slovis was like, "Yeah, I'm 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 going to go elsewhere." And Slovis is a guy that we've been talking about for two to three years now. Like, watch out for USC going into the season. Heisman sleeper. Slovis looks like a Heisman sleeper. So, uh, no, I. Jackson Dart is 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 definitely a good quarterback. There's there's no doubt about it. Latrell McCutcheon, uh, he had a tweet out there <laughs> with people claiming that he's just going to head back to Austin and go to Texas. The Texas hate has not diminished with Latrell McCutcheon. Yeah, uh, any not that we really care around here. Like any thought at all where Latrell McCutcheon is is going to end up in 22. <sighs> a lot of buzz for Baylor. A lot of buzz for Baylor. And I know there's some interest from Miami as well. I don't think he ends up back at Oklahoma. No, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be well in, in the statement that he released. You know, some guys when they release a statement entering in the portal, there's wording that like gives you maybe some hope, or there's at least an expectation there that they might end up coming back. Yeah, kind of didn't get that with Latrell McCutcheon. No, statement. and the it was thing like, about it too gone. is. Uh, and he's talked about, and he has well documented his experience being recruited by the University of Texas. You know who the defensive backs coach at Texas was when they were recruiting him? Jay Valai. Jay Valai. Yeah. So, again, not saying that that is the reason Latrell McCutcheon hit the transfer portal, but it's not difficult to kind of connect the dots there. Sure. Uh, last one. I, I forgot about one guy. I forgot about a Purdy. Imagine that. Oh, a Chubba Purdy. Purdy. Uh, well, I, I'm interested how you manage the Chubba Purdy situation with Jackson Dart out there. Like well, yeah, I, I think 
I, you would rather have Jackson Dart, but you, do you just take Purdy if you have the opportunity to to have some more QB depth? I think you tell Purdy, hold the phone for now, give <laughs> us till the weekend, and we'll see where things go with Jackson Dart. Because in today's day and age, Tyler, and I mentioned this earlier with Steely, you got to have insurance policies for your insurance policies. Yep. And that's really what Chubba Purdy is at this point. I don't think they take him if they get Jackson Dart. But if they don't get Jackson Dart, I think they will make a push to bring him in. Yeah, like if he were to announce today or tomorrow, like, hey, I'm committed to OU, I'm coming to OU, we could probably say, all right, Jackson Dart probably going to go to Ole Miss then. Yeah, I and I, again, I would be shocked if you found out in the next couple days that Jubba Purdy was committed to OU because if I'm Oklahoma and I'm Brent Venables right now, I'm saying, you know what, let's table this, we'll get back to you in 72 hours you're not going to explicitly say we're waiting on Jackson Dart, but at you're the same time, yeah, he, and he probably knows what the situation yeah, is. Yeah. You know, he knows what the situation is. I'm sure. All right, hey, we'll get to your text coming up next. Six five one thirty four thirty nine on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll also hit that uh, tough wa- tough watch of a basketball game last night. Yikes! Ugh. That was uh, not a fun night inside the drum in Austin. More to come next. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.
Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Hey, real quick on this basketball game last night. Yeah, it was not a fun watch. It was it was a tough watch. Uh, my big takeaway, man, is if Porter wants to get to a Final Four and if OU really wants to get over the hump as a program, and he's, he's on his way to doing that, don't get me wrong. But I think a missing ingredient, and you saw it last night, when, when teams are really defending them well, this particular team, Parker, doesn't have just a dude that can go get the ball and go score, um, he's going to have to find one of those guys at some point in the future. Yeah, and look, Porter Moser and the Sooners aren't going to a Final Four this year. It, it, it won't happen. I think, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I think their ceiling is the Elite Eight, and I think that's a very realistic possibility. But you got to think about what travels in March, and more often than not, and this is not 100% in every single case the reality, but in general... When you look at teams that make a run to the Final Four, they have that guy. Yep. Right? Yep. They have that guy where you can put the ball in his hands and he'll go win you a game all by himself. Syracuse won a national championship back in 2003 because Carmelo Anthony was that guy throughout the entire tournament. UConn has won a couple national championships having that guy. Yeah, so, Kemba yeah. Walker and Shabazz Napier yeah. did that for the Huskies back in the day. And I think the Sooners, are they're very good at playing team basketball. And I like the fact that they don't rely on one guy for all of that production, right? If Tanner Groves has an off night, generally Emoji Gibson is going to step up and put in 15 or 20. And if Emoji Gibson has an off night, Elijah Harkless is right there, and he can knock down a few from outside and slash for a few layups, and all of a sudden he's got 20 points on the board. And so this is a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. But as I said earlier, Tyler, this kind of dud – the dud that they turned in against Texas last night, that's not something that great teams do. Really good teams will do it from time to time, but the mark of a great team is that they're able to respond in the face of adversity and in the face of 20 minutes of really bad basketball to open a game, which is what the Sooners had. They were down 33-21 yeah. to 21 at halftime, but they were still very much within striking distance. If they had come out and reversed the course – and played inspired in the second half, they very easily could have won that game. But instead, they came out flat, and that same malaise that you saw over the first 20 minutes carried over throughout the second 20 minutes. One of 13 from three, that's not going not to do it, it on the road. And, and what's really not going to cut it is the turnovers. Uh, OU continues to turn it over in, in bunches right now. Texas is a pretty good defensive team, especially when Texas is locked in defensively like they were last night. Um Texas, I mean, they're, they're, they're good defensively. They're not great offensively, but they're pretty good defensively. It's what they hang their hat on. 17 turnovers, 9 in the first half. That is, that's not good enough. And a lot of those turnovers were so cheap by, by OU, too. You know, Give credit to Texas for the majority of those, sure. But there were some turnovers, Parker, where you're just like, dang, what are you, what are you doing? What are you guys doing, man? They, they just weren't at, at really no point in that game after the 10-minute mark in the first half that I feel like this team was about to turn it around and go on a run and take the lead. You know, and hopefully I, this is a wake-up call for them hopefully. because the harsh reality is you're not going to be able to play games like that in the Big 12 and get away with it no matter who you're playing. There are no easy victories. There are no gimmies in the Big 12. You think back to last year, and I think I mentioned this last week, but Oklahoma was training toward a one seed in the tournament before it all went off the rails against Kansas State, who was ninth in the conference at that point. And so this conference is so deep and it's so rich with talent that you're going to have to develop a mark of consistency because what you can't have is a game like this prompt you to spiral out of control. 
Because if you start spiraling out of control, it's going to be real hard to dig out of the hole you're going to dig for yourself. Big one on Saturday against TCU on the road. And no, there's no gimmies in this conference, especially on the road. But that's that's one that you got to you got to pick close up. to a gimme as you're going to get. You got to pick that one up. Uh, what's on the text line? I, we've been ignoring it for way too long. Let's see what we got. Kendall says Porter needs to get his guys, not portal guys, but recruit his own roster from freshmen to seniors. And that's fair. 100%. And yeah. I don't think the expectation in year one for Porter Moser was that they were going to go to a Final Four. I've never had that expectation. I think there's enough talent on this roster that they, they could make a deep run, and I've expressed that. But Porter Moser's best Oklahoma Sooners team will be the team that he pieces together three, four, five years down the road once he's had the chance to really instill his culture and develop his own guys, the guys that he handpicked at the prep level. Drew Sanders, Chubba Purdy, Jackson Dart, all names that are getting thrown out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line in the portal conversation. It's going to be a crazy, crazy week for OU football, just in terms of the names that are out there on the transfer portal that the Sooners are in the market for, and in terms of trying to close the 2022 recruiting cycle strong, because I feel like that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle the last few days. Everybody's so focused on the transfers, they don't realize, oh, you know what, you got guys like R. Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten and Jalil Florence and Grayson Halton still out there on the market. And Gentry looking at Jackson State. Yeah, no, forget that. Okay, Forget that. No, Gentry Williams will be a Sooner. And we've uh, we felt that for a, a while now, but uh, no, you're exactly right. It's the focus was on ah, just finishing as a top ten class would be so big. And if they finished eleventh, I mean, obviously the class would still be pretty good. But there's something mentally about finishing as a top ten class after everything that that's happened. But dude, like it's it's all about portal watch season right now. That's that's what everyone is concerned with. Jackson Dart, Drew Sanders. And Makai Wingo, probably the three guys that you're watching more than anybody right now. Man, remember when everybody thought Brent Venables wasn't going to use the transfer portal? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a thought. Yeah, that is not happening. He is. They're definitely going after the portal, and and not at like just one particular position, like at all the positions. Quarterback, they're using the portal. Defensive line, they're going after the portal. Backer, the portal. Uh, anywhere and everywhere they think that they can get an upgrade, they're 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 going about it. So I mean, hey, it's. I, I don't have a I don't have a huge issue with it at all because he's using it this year because he kind of has to in a lot of spots. But I don't know if this is going to be a routine thing. As we get deeper into the Brent Venables era, they'll use it. Of course you use it. Alabama's using it right now. If a Henry 2020 is out there, you go and get that type of guy. I just don't expect it to be maybe to this level once you're three or four years Because there's ahead. not going to be as much of a need. Right, exactly. Right? With everything that's transpired over the last two months, there is more of a need for Oklahoma to use the transfer portal than there ever has been before. So it's not at all a surprise to see Oklahoma after so many guys. By the way, one name that we haven't mentioned yet, Kyron Lacey, the wide receiver from Louisiana. Uh, I'm told he's going to be on an OU visit at some point, so... Maybe OU brings in a wideout as well in Kyron Lacey and a guy that was dynamic for the Raging Cajuns this past year. There's so many names in the portal right now that we're watching, but it all feels like they've got about three or four days to to make a decision here, man. It's going to be a news dump of a weekend. I can promise you that. Uh, One of our Tulsa listeners asks, percentages on Jackson Dart when it comes to him coming to OU, in y'all's opinion? I'm I'm confident here. I might be overconfident, and I might regret putting this figure out a couple days from now. 
if he commits to Ole Miss. But I'm going to say the chances of Jackson Dart coming to Oklahoma right now are 70%. 70%? Dang. 70%. Just because I think integrity will go a long way with Dart and his family because they're people of very strong faith. I also think Oklahoma has the natural advantage of being what you would assume would be Dart's final visit. Yeah. Because you're getting so close to enrollment day at this point at so many schools. Uh, a lot of schools are already in session, but those that aren't uh, are starting next week. And so the fact that he's presumably and reportedly and from everything I've been told and from everything that's been indicated, he's going to visit OU this weekend, that's got to be his last visit, right? Yeah, and I would think so. if that's the case, you have to favor Oklahoma. I, I would go – I'm going to go a little bit lower on this one. I'm going to go 40%. And, and, and for the only reason – and I, I – look, OU is the better option here. I, I will not fight that one bit. OU, of course – OU is the better option for a quarterback than Ole Miss is, even though Matt Corral had a great year and he's going to be a much higher draft pick than what Spencer Rattler probably is going to be. I understand that. But it's to me, it comes down to, and it's just a guess, the opportunity to start most likely right away at Ole Miss or you know, kind of going into the offseason at OU thinking that Dylan Gabriel has got a little bit of a lead in the quarterback race. So that's the only that's the only reason why I'm putting it at 40% is because I think his chance to start at Ole Miss probably a lot better than it is to, at, at OU. Which, and we've seen in the portal that, that matters quite a bit. All right, one final segment of Lock In with McComas and Thune. We'll wrap it up coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.
Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune. We just got back. Uh, got back together after Parker missed the first two days. Now I'm going to miss on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Monday. I'm going to be out of town. So. Oh, boy. Who do I got? Uh, I have no idea who you got. Maybe okay. it's like the uh, transfer portal and you have no idea what's on the other <laughs> side. You and I were uh, kind of talking about that over the break a little bit. And, you know, what's so interesting is you can put percentages on a name going somewhere or, or think that OU's in a good spot for this. But when you've got an impending, you know, coach might go to the NFL – I mean, everything could really hit the fan in the next 48, 72 hours. This could be a, a wild weekend, not only for college football, but for like OU. And that's, that's the thing, too, is it's so hard to get a gauge on what is real and what's not and what's a certainty and what's not. Because it's you can be almost 100% certain about something, and then one domino falls over here, and it ignites the chain, and then all of a sudden things look completely different on the other end of it. So there are so many factors, so many ancillary factors that could affect so many of these transfer portal situations over the next few days that there's really no telling. Like I said, I feel really strongly that Jackson Dart's going to be a Sooner just to pick one example, but so much of that could be thrown into limbo if, say, Lane Kiffin takes the NFL job with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. 100%. By the way, uh, on the on recruiting, Teddy and I were talking yesterday of kind of, you know, what we saw between Alabama and Georgia, where OU is at right now and kind of what what needs to be done to to get to that level and one of the points that was brought up is, you know, development obviously has to be better with this new staff. But then I said, "Hey, I think if you want to talk about development, the three and four stars you get, that's true. OU's got to do a better job, Parker, in my opinion, of developing some of these five stars. Because too many times here in the past five years is OU getting five stars, which they're not getting the number of five stars that Alabama and Georgia are getting. But the five stars that they do get, they, they, they've they got to be able to develop those guys. And those guys have to end up being some of the best players at their position in the country. And that hasn't necessarily been happening. Well, and there have been some ext- extenuating circumstances in most cases, right? Because Jaden Hazelwood had injury issues. Caleb Kelly had injury issues. Trajan Bridges. <laughs> that was a whole ordeal yeah, in and of itself. Um I, who else was there? I guess Spencer Rattler was a five-star, and naturally it was just a case of him getting supplanted by another five-star. Buki was a five-star, right? He, he was not. By he was one a, service? He was a high four-star. I don't know if – there might have been one service that had him as a five-star. But, uh, by the way, Buki's entering the draft. That's He and everybody else in college football. Oh, my goodness. There are going to be so many guys that end up undrafted free agents. It's almost just like anybody – who plays three years of ball at the collegiate level and is remotely productive, feels like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make the jump, and this will go great. It's it's, like, a, it's a status thing, man. You know? I mean, that's that's what it is. Like, guys, it's almost like guys feel like if they stay for their fourth year, whether they're ready or not, they're, like, looked at as a bum or something. Like, they're not a good player. Like, look, I think Mike Woods has a really high ceiling long term. I thought entering the NFL draft was a really bad decision on his part. Yeah, like yes. if he if he didn't like the fit at OU, he should have hit the portal again. Yeah, or now, he should have just stuck it out with OU. We're not but, rooting for that to happen. No, no, but no. The smart play by him was to come back next season, new offense, whatever. Come back next season, or or go play another season of college football elsewhere. That would have been the right move for him. Regardless, probably a lot that's going to happen in the portal recruiting in the next forty-eight to seventy-two hours. Keep it locked right here on the ref. That'll do it for locked in the rush. Coming up next, right here on the home of Sooner fans.